how can you actually be successful at being a parent? Is it the right thing to say to like put that pressure on someone who's maybe only two years older? I don't know. If you wanted yeah. it bad enough, you would sacrifice whatever it took to get that done. Hey guys, I'm Young, a full-time dad and a full-time professional with the goal to become the best parent possible. The Girl Dad Show is my journey interviewing fellow working parents aspiring to be both good at work and parenting. I'm going to do this by gathering and sharing unfiltered perspectives from my guests. So join me as I research parenthood one interview at a time. Nuna! Wait, I shouldn't call you Nuna, huh? Hi. Oh, it's okay. I can call you Nuna. Oh, you can. It's part, of this, it's part of the story, I guess. That's right. I'm so excited to have you on, Julie. Just for all the listeners out there, the reason why I called her Nuna is because that means sister in Korean. And this is my older sister, Julie! Welcome, <laughs> and thank you so much for joining me on my show. I really, really appreciate you taking the time out of your day. I'm so glad to be here, and it is really weird having you call me Julie. <laughs> it is really weird. It's very strange. <laughs> I think I've called you Julie maybe five times in my entire life. No, I mean, never. Only when you're introducing me to someone, I think. That's right. But never would you say it to me. Yeah, Yeah. how disrespectful. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I know how disrespectful. <laughs> call me older sister now. That's right. I'm going to refer to you as Nuna because it does feel very unnatural uh, to call you Julie. So I'll just call you Nuna moving forward. Now all the listeners know why I call you Nuna and not Julie. Okay, very good. So thank you so much for taking the time. I do have to comment on your back backdrop. I love it. You like totally spruced up your... Oh, your thank you. Yeah, it looks nice. It's so, yeah. it's so yeah, chic it's and clean. Yeah, it looks great. It's commenting on yours too. It's oh, very fancy. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I kind of took it up a notch for this show and podcast. <laughs> it's a little extra, but... I thought it was pretty fun. Let's get into it. So I'd love for the rest of the listeners and guests to get to know you. So tell us who you are and what you do for a living. I am in the business of communications. I have been doing PR, internal, external communications for about 20 years. Um, and I'm one of those rare birds. I studied communications in college. I interned in communications. My first job out of college was communications. So I've sort of picked my lane early and I've stayed in it and I really love it. It's something that I think I'm naturally inclined towards. So it's been a good career fit. I think you you are a rare bird in the sense that you got to do what you did in college. I don't know that many people that have. It's actually, now that you say it's no, very uncommon. No, I think it's rare. Yeah, a lot of people like study something and then they go off and do something else or they do a tangent of something. But I think I got really lucky. I studied something that felt aligned and then I did a few internships to gut check and it ended up falling into place. And I mean, now with the way technology is going, being in communications actually has allowed me to like jump different industries and different sectors as well, because the constant across most companies is being able to tell your story as a business. And for me, that's exciting that I can kind of jump different sectors and not maybe have a background in that industry, but be able to bring in the communication skills and transfer it over. Yeah, that is cool because of like just how the technology in the world is changing. You're able to like now dabble in in hindsight. Like you that wasn't necessarily an intention, but you're able to do that. Did you always know? So like you knew like from the very beginning because it, it is kind of interesting now that you say it. I never really thought about the fact that you kind of stayed the course. You never changed. Yeah, and I did the exact I mean, opposite than you. I haven't done anything consistent my entire life. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I'm trying to think back if I knew back then. I don't think I really knew for sure. I had an idea. I think when I 
started college, I thought I was going to do some kind of international relations work, actually, and go into sort of more policy and politics. But I took a few classes and I did a few, like I said, internships and communications, and I fell in love much more with that aspect. And, you know, I, I still felt like at some point in my career, I'd go into that side. So I like moved to DC for a little bit and I tried it out more with the communications lens and it still wasn't the right fit. So I ended up coming back and I, you know, now I know technology and communications are the two, two sort of things that have crossed over that really, really work for me. And I think that'll be the continued sort of practice I'll be in moving forward as well. And part of what I mean by being able to dabble in different sectors, even in technology, there's so many different sectors. And I love it because you never get bored. So, you know, you, being able to sort of constantly work in emerging technology, things that are new, never, never sort of uncharted territory, and being able to tell again those stories, uh, I think, in, into new audiences in a new way using a different channel. Those are all really, really, I think, interesting things to sort of uncover. And I get to do that in the role that I'm in. Yeah, like the evolution of what communications is becoming. It's like, it's having to adapt, right? And, but it sounds like you've also found your niche, what's like communications and technology. And that's kind of like where you're starting to understand who you are and where you want to go. It's my sweet spot. You got to tell us what you got to tell us what you do, though, because what company do you work for and what do you do? Because you're, you're making this sound like not as cool. Yeah, like you're super cool. You have you've done so well for yourself. And the whole point of the show is to talk about people that are like, navigating, you know, their work life and navigating parenthood. And I need to make sure everyone knows why I invited you. It's not some sort of like, you know, <laughs> some sort of like, uh, what's it called? Uh, Just because I'm your older sister. That's right. That's um, right. Yeah. You actually fit the criteria. Oh, okay. Well, thank you. I'm so glad I fit the criteria. So I worked, worked at a lot of different places, PR agencies to start. And then I moved in-house to Yahoo!, PlayStation, LinkedIn. I joined LinkedIn actually when it was still a startup. I took the company, was part of the company when it went public and then, you know, built out its revenue streams, you know, $6 billion revenue by the end of the year. And then went from there to Visco, which is where I'm at now. So I've sort of done kind of a broad suite of things, internet, consumer tech, but each, each decision and each company I joined was to explore something different about communication and, and technology. And I can obviously go through all those examples, but I mean, at the time, the, the LinkedIn one is probably the most relevant. At the time, no one knew the company. I remember telling mom and dad that I was going to LinkedIn and they thought I was joining the Lincoln car company. <laughs> they were like, what the heck is LinkedIn? Like no one knew. And I think, you know, it was like almost 10 plus years ago now, That's right? right? That's so, right. No one really knew. Facebook was around, but it definitely wasn't as big as it is today. And so this concept of social media, viral effect networks, that was exciting to me. Again, back to the point of like trying, being able to use different communications channels as a social network platform, how to use communications as a tool for your company as well. And so, yeah, really, really just fun stuff. And then obviously now I'm working with the a, a, a mobile app that helps you make, you know, beautiful photos and videos and, you know, their demographic is much more targeted to Gen Z younger students. And so I have no business doing this job because I have <laughs> no background in Gen Z, but it's been so much fun and going from, you know, 16,000 employees to a 100 person startup also has brought like really interesting 
you know, executive leadership challenges that I've ever been able to kind of expose and do. And so that's been really fun. I love that you landed on Visco. And it's really funny because I remember that point when you were debating whether you should work at LinkedIn or not. And it's like kind of it's kind of reminds me about like just how you've always been so aspirational with your career. You've never wanted to stop. And I think you've always articulated that even after you became a parent, I, I actually recall you even saying that as a new mom, you were like, I don't want to stop. I want to keep going and I want to keep growing and I want to keep finding the next thing that's going to engage my mind. Or I can't remember exactly what you said, but it was something along the lines of like continuing to grow your, your professional career. Yeah. I love that you remembered that. I, I have a, I have a funny story. I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I think up until Zoe, my second child, I always held out maybe this thought that I might go freelance or I might do some kind of a part-time gig just so that I can, you know, pull back a little bit on the career ambition side and just be more available to my kids. And I just realized on the second mat leave when after my second child, I had this like come to Jesus moment. And I was like so nervous about like telling Ryan, my husband, this story. And, and, you know, I basically, you know, sat him down. I was like, I have something really big I need to discuss with you. I'm never going to be that stay at home mom. I just, mm. I think I know for sure. I will never be a freelancer. I'm not going to be part-time. Like I am ambitious. I want to see how far this is going to go. And I, this is what makes me happy. And he didn't even hesitate. He just looked at me like, I've known this since <laughs> I started dating you. He's like, you needed to come to that realization yourself. Oh, and that's so cute. Even a step. I know it's awesome. Like it's the best. He's the best. But I took it a step further even after that, like that conversation. I said, well, here's what that means, Ryan. When I say I want to keep going and if I want to just continue on this path, it means you know, when the kids get sick and I'm out of town, like that could be a real situation. Like you're going to need to step out of work. It's going to mean I might get a call from my CEO because something's going on on the weekend and I'll need to do that. And ironically enough, like these situations have all come to happen. Right. And he has been such a rock. And just, I think, like I said, it was, it was important for me to say it out loud. I think he was already prepared and ready, but so that I didn't feel guilty in hindsight now I think that's why I did that so that I also was acknowledging that these were real situations as a mom and as a working professional I would have to encounter and I would have to be okay with yeah and it's that level of self-awareness that I think really is you know the reason why you're able to be successful at, at both right because you're you're constantly trying to like one, obviously self-realizing is important, but I think the thing that happens after you realize that for yourself is that you're starting, you're able to qualify what that means. And the moment you can start qualifying what that means, I think that really like helps you like frame up what success looks like, in my opinion anyways. And I, I think that's something that you do really well. And it's like, hey, I want to grow. I want to grow and I want to continue to do this. And you're also a good mom. Your kids are great. And so... <laughs> If we can segue a little bit into the kids, let's start by talking about your kids. Like, tell us, tell us about your kids. Who are your kids? What are their names? How old are they? And uh, let's get that out of the way so we can actually unpack some of this parenting stuff. It's weird telling you about my kids because you know them. But Ella, who is nine years old and a little gem, she's just such a bright spirit. And I've got two girls. Younger daughter's name is Zoe, and she's seven years old. And just, they're just, they could not be more different in their personalities. And I know you've got two daughters, so we have a lot in common in that regard. 
they're they're just the best. I love I love being a mom. How do you qualify the success for being a parent and and managing a successful career? Where do you draw that line, and what does success look like for you? I try not to think about it as success. Like, what does I mean? How can you actually be successful at being a parent? I'm doing air quotes. Like, and and by the way, like, when do you even know? I mean, yeah. right? Like, I don't know. I kind of question anyone who says they're successful. They're successful at being a parent because I don't know. I feel like every stage the kids are growing. And so my experience as a mom is also evolving. Like the challenges I had with Ella and Zoe when they were like two and three is like widely different now that I've got them in school and their challenges are different and they have emotions and feelings and thoughts. Like what, what is that, what's that going to be like when they're in middle school and they start to have like friend issues and problems and then they go to high school and they're like having existential, you know, crisis about like what their future is going to be. Like, I just, for me, I don't think about it that way. Like, I want to be a successful parent. I just think about, like, what do I want them to feel from me as a mom? And I, I just hope that they always, but if they can come to us, that they're going to be heard and they're going to be seen and they're going to be celebrated for just uniquely what they're good at. I'm always going to also be sort of, like, ambitious because that's just my background. And I'm going to try to support them. But even that, I'm learning myself because I... I'm finding that like they have to go at their own pace. And I'm just trying to think of a really good example. I mean, I don't want to out my younger daughter, but the pandemic has been like really, really hard on on little Zoe. And she was like doing really bad with her reading assignments. She's oh, in no. first grade. It's like the first time she's actually been in like, you know, a full day of school. And I mean, they don't even know how to use a computer. I mean, goodness gracious, she's now a pro, but she was really struggling the first two months or three months and she was coming in, I think like below two levels in her reading. And I, I took it as a personal sort of affront that, you know, I'm a comms pro whose entire living is made <laughs> up of reading, writing, you know, communications. And I have a younger daughter who was like failing at reading and reading below her level. And I realized like, I can't, or I can't, I can't have that kind of expectation, right? Like, yes, there were also these challenges with the tech stuff. So we helped, we helped her get there. But what's ironic to me is now, you know, fast forward, like the full school year, she's like at level, she's, she skipped all those levels. Like she went above and beyond, she went above and beyond her other peers by catching up. And what I think really worked was not me forcing and telling her that she needed to close this gap, but more of a, like, how can we help you? What can we do with you? Like, again, that she felt supported and seen. Like, we know that this is hard. Like, reading with your friends on Zoom calls is really, you know, nerve-wracking. Like, I get it. Like, and those are, like, the little things day-to-day that I'm realizing, like, what what works for me and how people communicate to me is going to be very different from how I communicate to my daughters. And you know, because our, you know, we have the same parents. And, you know, our parents are very direct. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you didn't get asked about how you felt about something. No. You just did it. and You got told how you, you felt. Know, I, I realized. <laughs> <laughs> so I just, I think that that's been my biggest learning in parenting is just trying to listen more. No, no, that's a great answer. Yeah, I mean, it's like very, very like sage, you know, in the sense that like you're saying, hey, how could you ever be a successful parent? I mean, just even questioning the question, right? Like that's awesome. And, and then you answered it in, in the concept of like, 
what you're trying to get the end result to look like, right? Which is that you want your, your kids to feel supported. And so this is going to be a really funny question because you're my sister and I've had the, you know, I grew up with you, but I've been asking everybody this because I feel like there's so much parallel into how you become a parent. So I'm going to ask it and I can't wait to hear the answer, but what was your childhood like? I know. I just remember it being really loud, really fun. I mean, there were bits of it that I think were hard. But I, but my love of, I, I wanted a big family. And part of it was because I grew up with, with three siblings. I'm the oldest of four. We just had, you know, family nearby. Our cousins lived across the street. That's like, right. For me, my childhood is actually, I, I have a very fond feeling and memory of my childhood, you know, and I'm just trying to think like what other stories I can share that would like shed light on it. But like, you know, the other day I was just joking with my girls actually, because I'm like the crazy mom, you know, like dance with them. Ella's now at the age, she's the older one is at the age where she sort of looked at me like, mom, you're embarrassing me, please stop. (laughs) And I was telling her how, oh my gosh, you need to ask Uncle Young and you know, Auntie Nancy, like about the time when like we would drive, remember how we would drive to go pick up Nancy in middle school. You, I would be driving, you would be in the car. Our cousin Ian would be in the back. We'd roll down the windows. We'd bust you the know, music. go from our high school to go middle school, bust the music like crazy loud and just start dancing and singing at the top of our lungs and embarrassing, you know, the bejesus out of Nancy. All of all of us doing yeah. this to embarrass her, and I just that that's the stuff I remember about my childhood. That it was just, you know, love and family, and this is like very emotional. Young, this podcast. <laughs> it is. It's it's one of those hard hitting podcasts. That's what I'm going for. No, I don't. I don't mean it to be. It's just. Um, yeah. It's just like. No. 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 Yeah. These, these, I think it's also because you're asking it of me, which is why because there's a shared. Totally. And it really is like so interesting to hear your your perception of our childhood. Right. And and I I actually relate to that a lot. I think you're absolutely correct. It was really fun. We were a really big family. And I remember our get togethers and and holidays were just massive, you know, and so many cousins our age. And yeah, and it was so fun. It was just a lot of energy and a lot of loud noises and a lot of loud people. Poor Nancy, now that I think about it, because Nancy's the one quiet one. And and yeah, so she's probably always frustrated. (laughs) I do remember sort of like things mom and dad would say to me that were different than all of you, which was, you're the oldest, you have to be better, Mm. you have to be the one to do it right. Like, I I do feel there were things I was told and asked to be that felt a little different from the younger siblings. And I catch myself sometimes because I'll say things like that to Ella. I'll say, well, you're the older, you're the older sister. You need to forgive your younger sister. It's okay. She doesn't know better. You know, and I, and I, I kind of stop myself because I wonder if that's like the right thing to say, right? Like, mm. I don't know. Is it the right thing to say to like put that pressure on someone who's maybe only two years older? I don't know. Is it? Yeah, I don't know. You Don't ask but me. I'm, I'm less of, <laughs> I'm less experienced than you are. And I'm also, yeah, like... But, I was just going to say, but it has made me realize, like, it it has, whether I fulfilled something that was asked of me or I was innately that way, I don't know. This will be the question of the lifetime. But I do think that I fulfill, like, the oldest child role and the responsible one to a T. 
play that role even now. I remember Sammy used to say that he was more scared. Sammy, our youngest sibling, would say that he was more scared of me than he he was scared of mom and dad because yeah. of what I would say or how I would react. And, yeah, totally. You know, he he recently he recently like moved to San Diego, and I was the last one to find out because he was so scared that I'd be so sad and disappointed that he was leaving our little, you know center of gravity in the east bay and it was sad but i wasn't upset with him so yeah. it's bizarre i think just that those little things i think are all like years and years of you know the role i've played in the family dynamics yeah, no, it's it's really fascinating, like talking to you about this, because it's like we have we have the same child. <laughs> so we like we were, we grew up together. So it's really funny talking to you about this. But yeah, like there's totally nature and nurture. And, and you got to like you got to like think through that as you're becoming, you know, you know, as a you know, as a parent, you're, you're getting older and you're grow- and you're raising your kids. Like how much of that do you want to like change from what you grew up with and how much of that do you want to emulate? And, you know, how much of that are you going to support, you know, them being like naturally like figuring out what they're interested in and how much are you going to force? Because this is the big conundrum for me. There's a lot of things that I feel like dad and mom taught me that have made me successful. Like they, whether I wanted it or not, you know, like this push, this drive, this kind of hunger. And mm-hmm. I don't necessarily know if you get that without someone making you uncomfortable or forcing you to do things beyond your, beyond your capacity. And so it's like this constant balance where like, and you know my wife, you know, she's always like, young, you got to take it easy. Like, you got to, like, let them, like, figure it out on their own. And, like, <laughs> so it's this constant balance of, like, I'm like, no, she has to keep trying. I don't care if she can't do it. It's okay if she fails, but she has to keep trying. You know, and even if something yeah. as simple as, like, riding a scooter and using her brake. She was struggling, Lily was struggling so hard three months ago using this brake because it's a weird balance move, right, where you put your foot in the back and she kept falling. And she was just crying and crying. And I'm like, you can cry and I'll hold you and I'll hug you. And, and I'm trying to be more nurturing than our parents were. <laughs> but I'm like, after you're done crying, we have to try again. We have to try again. And we have to keep trying because you're never going to learn until you, until you keep practicing and trying. And I kind of forced her through it. And I told Amy like to back off and let me just do this. And I was as nurturing as I thought I should be or could be, but I forced her through it. But what ended up happening was that she ended up accomplishing it. And she was so proud of herself and confident. And now we were able to go scootering in our neighborhood because our neighborhood has a lot of hills. And she just stopped scootering completely because she got scared of the hills. And I know it's a really small thing. And we're just talking about riding a scooter. But it made me like think at a macro level, like how much of who we are, like you and I, like the, the, the drive that we have comes from maybe you even more because of that first child pressure. But like there's a lot of pressure that they put on us. Well, but it's not any pressure that they don't put on themselves. I mean, that's the part that I think I, as a mom now that I have much more, there's more texture and dimension around it. It's not just what they said, but how they also behaved. So dad would never ask us to do something he wouldn't do himself. That's right. Right. Mom would never ask us to do something she didn't do herself. That's right. So that that piece of it that piece of it feels much more, you know, rich now that I'm a mom, that I can, I can understand like what was going through their mind as they were saying it or as they were pushing us to do it. I mean, different, obviously for mom to say like, you know, you have to do this, this, and this, like she wasn't a career woman, but she wanted to be, she didn't feel that she had that opportunity. And so for me, she would always encourage me, but you know, but, 
there were so many layers to like, I'm just trying, I'm thinking like a good example, but to say with, with, with dad, I understood like he was the type of guy, like I remember when he says work hard and don't be lazy and, you know, do all that stuff. I, I, I know what I, I respect him so much now looking back because even now he's, he, he's still doing this, but you know, I remember, don't you remember those trips he would take to Korea and we come back like after a 12 hour flight? He'd land, we'd land, we'd get in the car, he'd drop us off at home, and then he'd go straight, I mean, he'd take a shower, and then he'd go straight to work. Yeah. I, we were, we would all be, like, exhausted yeah. from the trip, and let alone just the, the time, the time difference, but he would still go into work that day. Yeah. And those are the little examples of just when he, when he demanded excellence, and he demanded us to work hard, it, it wasn't something that was, like, off. Of like I'm not going to do it but you need to he would always do it himself too so for that I'm like just super super appreciative because I know how exhausted I am now raising my kids after you know doing that and working I understand that so much yeah and that's really funny because like I mean, the, the listeners will now know this, but I, I'm doing that, you know, tribute video where we all like, you know, putting together yeah. a video for Father's Day. And it's like one of the lessons that I've learned from him. It's just like so funny because I'm literally like sharing uh, the lesson that I learned from him is like something that he said that has always stuck with me. And it's this concept of like, you know, like business and success has nothing to do with how smart you are you know, how good looking you are, how well you talk or any of these attributes that people think that, that, that connotate success. It's literally all about how bad do you want it? So whenever you fail, it's telling me that you didn't want it bad enough. And I'm like, damn it, dad. What the hell, what the hell kind of statement is that? Right? Yeah. But like, I've never been able to forget that. So now whenever I fail at something, I'm like, shit, I didn't want it bad enough, you know, because yeah. The reality is when you think about the concept of what he's saying, it's like, yeah, so what? If you're not tall enough to do that, then you have to train five times harder than someone that's tall. Or if you're not smart enough, yeah. then go study 10 times harder than that person that's smarter than you. But like, if you wanted yeah. it bad enough, you would sacrifice whatever it took to get that done. It's this whole mindset yeah. of like, go get it, like go get what you want. And if you don't want it, then don't complain about it because your success is predicated on how bad you wanted it. And it's like, for him, it was just a, it was just a minuscule statement, but for me, it's like never left my mind. And so now I'm always just thinking about it that way. Yeah. He's never said that to me, but I, but I, that sounds so, some, like something he would say. Yeah. I felt like it was the worst thing ever when I was in, when I was a teenager and like, and now I'm just like, it's still he like. He doesn't understand me. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> But it goes back to parenting, right? Because now I'm like, I want my kid to learn that. And how do I teach my kid yeah. that? It's so important that they understand the value of hard work and like being resourceful and like understanding that you can, you can drive things to success. It's just, you just have to like want it and you have to think about it hard enough, figure out an angle, figure out it with grit labor, whatever that may be. But that concept is something that I really want to impart upon them. But I also like am such a pushover with these kids. Like, I am like the they're absolute, just, yeah, of course. yeah, they're like, they're like, oh my gosh, they're like amazing. And I don't know if it would be easier if it was a boy or not, but man, these two girls like have me wrapped around their fingers. Like it's unbelievable. But I do find myself putting a lot more. We know. We see <laughs> I do find myself expecting a lot more from Lily than Grace. And why is that? I think that's fascinating, actually. Yeah. I mean, she's only like, what, two years older, three years older? One year. No, two years, two years. Yeah, two years. What? Two One years and a half. Older, yeah. 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 
It's very similar Almost. to our age gap. Yeah, our age gap, yeah. Yeah, but like, see how ridiculous that sounds so that you would expect a child that's one and a half years older, just more. Yeah, well, the funny thing is it's they still expect that from you, you now, that that our, now that we're in our 40s, they still, <laughs> still expect that from you. <laughs> no, I, this is my point. Like, you're sort of like wired through life in these roles. But it's okay. I mean, I, 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 I do it with love. No, I think it's awesome. And so are you are you then consciously trying to like combat then? Yeah, no, sometimes I do. So with Ella, I think I mean you 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 were saying the story about Lily and the and the um scooter. Scooter. I think the thing that I'm realizing also is that yes, you want to teach them how to do hard work, but then you also have to pair it with like listening cuz I wonder if Grace would respond the same way if you did that. To me, Lily is wired that way. Like mm. when I observe Lily, she's wired that way where she needs that. And she does well under pressure and she probably receives your feedback well. Whereas if you were to do that with little Grace, I wonder if she would excel in the same way. Oh my because gosh. I'm finding, cause I'm, cause I'm finding that the, the mothering I do for Ella, wildly different from how I need to be with Lily. They do not respond the same way. Oh, I love that. You're adapting your, your, your mother styles and skills to the kid because of the, the reception that you've been getting. And you're absolutely right. Like, Grace is completely, she's already becoming a very different girl than Lily is. They're like completely like separated, right. you know? And their personality right. and, and, and the way that they think and their confidence levels and their interests are already starting to separate. And it's only, they're only two and four. So I can't even imagine what that divergence is going to look like as they get older and really figure out what, what's out in the world, you know? What's your parallel to leading teams? Do you feel like you apply the same methodologies <laughs> to being a mother to leading teams? I do actually. Well, not all of it. I mean, this, the ironic thing is everyone at work is always shocked when I'm not like a tiger mom at home. You know, like when, when I tell people that I'm like super relaxed and like the kids get away with like all this stuff, like yeah. they're like, I'm so surprised because you're not like that at work. Oh, wow. <laughs> but I'm really, I'm the weakest link at home. Like the kids know Ryan's the oh, one yeah. that's going to say no. And I'm yeah. the one that's going to say yes. They know that. They know this already. Everyone um, knows that. Everyone in the I family do... knows that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the weakest link always. But yeah. But I think so like in that regard, I'm different at work and at home. But I think what has what is the same that I'm learning is even at work, I do this with people that report into me, but I try to find what they're naturally really good at. Like, I really try to pay attention. I get mm. I get people all the time who come to me and they're like, Julie, I want to be in crisis comms. I want to be in crisis comms. And you can tell that they're not wired for, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. you know, they get nervous. High like, pressure job. And it's more than just, yeah, it's more than just being nervous. It's like, do they have the skills? Do they know how to handle intense situations? Are they going to be able to move something forward? So I always give everybody the benefit of the doubt. And I said, okay, well, here, here's a project. Let's do this. Like, let's see how you do. And let's do this together. And I'll coach you. Yeah. But at a certain point. I try to have like really honest conversations with my team. Here's where it's not, it's not necessarily working. Like, have you thought about X, Y, and Z? Like, would you be open to exploring a role that really taps into this part? Like, 
you know, there's a woman who, again, who said she wanted to be in crisis comms, but where I found her being naturally joyful and excited and she would herself, her plans were much more thorough was when she would be doing presentations and she would be teaching and she would be sharing learnings. And I was like, I paid attention to these signals and she's now in a career, I think, in learning and development, mm. which wow. I think is amazing for her. Yeah. But she's not in this high, high stakes pressure job where she has to work with media and reporters in a high, you know, high paced sort of intense crisis situation. I think, you know, I think it's better suited for her in the same vein, like people in comms that are really good at the interpersonal stuff, like, is that like people who rally like cross-functional partners, for instance, like, yeah, that's a really good skill. So what do I, what do I do? I expose them to projects that do that. Like, I just, I think there's, there's certain things that you have to learn. And then there's certain things where you just have to like situate people where their natural gifts are. And I think team structure and org design, not always do have that benefit or luxury, especially at a small company like this though. But if you can align what they're naturally gifted and good at with what they do for a living, like you hit the jackpot as a manager and a leader of a team. That's the parallel that you think that carries over from parenting and, and leading teams? I do. I do. I think that's the thing that I'm trying to do with Ella and Zoe is really pay attention to what they're naturally gifted at and just yeah. expose them as much as possible to opportunities where they can flex those muscles. Yeah, that's really that's really fascinating. And 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 is that some like like is like a new newer revelation for you? And you've like started to employ this over the last few. Okay, yeah, because it's very antithesis to like what I had assumed you would do as a parent. Because you have a very right? dominant personality, you know, and you have a very. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind of like a conundrum with me and Amy, right? Or Amy and I, I should say, to be speaking properly here. Amy is very nurturing. And I'm not, you know, I'm very like, you know, dominant in the sense of like, I know what I want. I know how, how I want it. And I like, you know, push for, I, I speak up and I say what I want. And, you know, Amy's much more like at their level, like, hey, give them space to figure out what they're trying to do. Like talk to them about it and kind of walk them through. I'm realizing very quickly that I need to be more like her, not her like me. And I think there are times and instances where it's good to push, you know, the kid to like, supersede it but i think you just hit the head uh, the nail on the head by saying if that's the way that they need to receive it because like for example like dad saying that to me the, the comment about like you you failed because you didn't want it was probably the right thing to say to me yeah he knew you needed to hear it he knew that that was going to bother me he that, knew that motivated you that's right that's right yeah. that's right and like whereas if, i don't know if he would have said that to sam or nancy right because like that wouldn't have made sense he never said it to me either that's right like it didn't he it, never said it to me yeah and so like i think that that's like probably the key that you have to like get down to the personal level and figure out where they're coming from both as a manager at work and also as a, a parent and that is a good commonality i love it have you tried to employ any other I tactics mean, like feedback loops and, and, oh, sorry, go ahead. What were you going to say? No, I was going to say, but it all starts with listening. And I think that's something that I've learned later in my career, you know, as, as a younger person kind of going through your career, it's like, well, I think this, I think that, like you spend so much of your time proving that you're this strong, smart, thoughtful leader. Right. And mm -hmm. so you end up taking airspace. And what I've learned in the past, you know, four or five years of running teams and managing is, you need to be spending way more time that you, with, with someone listening and just asking questions. And it's actually a lot harder to do 
to just sit there and ask questions. And those questions are actually not just random questions. They're very intentional questions. You're, you're giving people space to answer, figure it out, come to their own conclusion. It's not you filling in the answer. And yeah. I think there's a lot of care and thoughtfulness that goes into those kinds of conversations. And I do use that tactic a lot with Ella and Zoe as well. I try to ask more questions, not, not because, well, I should say sometimes I know what answer I would like to hear, but yeah. at the same time, like I'm, I'm giving room for them to come to that conclusion on their own. That's really, really good. And it's really, really nice because it's something that I need to work a lot on professionally. And I definitely need to work on that as a dad. Like I'm terrible at asking questions. You know, it's like, it's either like very yin or yang for me. It's like, I, I want to do this and then they, they don't want to do it. And they have to speak up and, you know, like strongly say they don't want to do it for me to go. Okay, then we'll do that. Right. But like, and then I completely acquiesce and we'll go get ice cream and donuts, you know, for breakfast. But like, but like, there's no like conversing about it. I don't like have that conversation. It's like, I want this and that's what I want. It's not angry, but it's just like, this is what I want. And then they have to like push back equally and I'll give in, but it's never this like compromise or conversation. And something that Amy's been talking to me a lot about is like, you know, what kind of parent do you want to be when you grow up? Because inevitably, if you always have these hard lines, you know, you're not going to be the friend, you know, you're not going to be the, the person that they come to talk to. The, the question of like, should you be a friend to your kid or not? I don't know. I'm, I struggle with that a lot, actually, because the meaning, I mean, I've asked Ella this too. I'm like, aren't I your, aren't I your best friend, Ella? She's like, no, you're my mom. And to her, there's like a very distinguished line in her mind, you know, and I, it, it made me kind of think about it that night because she's, she's kind of right. Yeah. I should yeah. not be her friend. I am her mom. I am her safe. I, I am the person she goes to at all costs. I am her safe haven. I am her biggest cheerleader. I am, I am this, I am the person in her life that she can always count on. Yeah. But you know, can you be, can you be friendly and have a good relationship with your child as a mom? Yes. Yeah. But I do think this concept of being your child's friend is, I don't know. I'm not going to, make a bold statement. And I don't think I'm not going to say that that's not possible. I just, I think it, it creates a weird dynamic that I think is really hard. I love it. I love it. That's really great. I love these like little like nuggets that you're uncovering for yourself. This is fascinating. Hey, Nuna, I, I just realized that I, I have you only for like five or 10 more minutes here. So I just want to make sure I get to, to all my, the questions. yeah, to all the questions, but I definitely want to ask every guest four questions. So I'm going to tighten this up just because I want to make sure that I'm timely with your busy schedule. And then maybe have you as a second interview at a year from now, because I, I definitely have a lot more things I want to talk to you about. This is really fun <laughs> talking to you about being a parent. I don't know if we've ever had conversations like this ever. We do. We do. Just not in this dedicated way. No, it's great though. This is awesome. But it, just for the time's sake, because we are, we are successful professionals and we should monitor our time as well. And so I'm going to fire off these four questions that I want to ask every guest, okay? So I can get you back to your day. Okay. What advice do you have for other parents and soon-to-be parents? If you are in a relationship with someone and you're parenting with another person, I would say set up some ground rules for, like, where your lines are going to be and, like, how you want to parent. You know, the things you're going to outsource, the things you're going to spend money on, the things you're not going to sweat. You know, 
split the small stuff. Like decide what the split the small stuff is going to be. And I think that's so important because, you know, it sounds so silly, but that's the stuff that people end up fighting over or, you know, as a parent, you stress over. And as a working mom, it sounds so silly, but both Ryan and I were working. And so we made the decision really early on as, as parents and working parents that we would outsource things that just we didn't want to do. So, you know, cleaning your house, the, you know, getting a childcare nanny, having someone at our house to take care of the child, someone we trusted. These were investments we were going to make not only for, you know, our child, but for the happiness and, you know, just goodness, good vibes of our family. And I think that's really important because otherwise, again, going back to like the day-to-day, -day, you don't want that stuff to just start piling up as like either neglect or feeling like guilty or baggage. Yeah. Nice. I think you can write a blog about that. That's probably really good. What's the small stuff not to sweat, you know? If you can go in the same thread, if you can go back and tell yourself one thing before having kids, what would it be? One thing before having kids, I mean, sleep. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's right. <laughs> just sleep for 20 like, hours a day. I mean, like, you know, I just remember so many nights when I was like single and you'd go out or you would like stay up all night, like watching, you know, shows or movies. I'm like, dang it. Just sleep. Just sleep. I mean, I also yeah. would travel. Sleep and travel. I would say invest in your own discovery and exploration. So I wish I had done a lot more travel on my own, not as a married person, not as a, you know, uh, whatever it was like, but I, I wish I had traveled more. No, oh, that's great. I think it's just the, the mechanics of traveling with little humans is just harder. And I wish I had experienced that stuff for myself as well, which, and, and do it again with my kids too. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really good. What's the most surprising thing that you've learned about yourself becoming a parent? I mean, I think it goes back to the earlier point Like people, you know, you go, you go into parenting thinking like I'm super organized to the point that like, you know, when we go on family trips, I've got like Excel docs and Google docs printed out for our family schedule. Like I'm that girl. So I just assumed I would be much more rigid or disciplined about how I would be a mom and how I would raise kids. And I'm realizing that like I cut lots of corners and I, I, I color outside of the lines as a mom and I'm okay with it. And that's been really, it's been really surprising actually. Luna, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. And I really enjoyed our conversation and I really, really appreciate you carving me out of your busy day. I love it. Thank you so much. I'm glad you're doing this. It's so you. Thanks, Luna. Talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Girl Dad Show. We hope you enjoyed that interview. If you want to subscribe to our email list and learn more, you can head over to thegirldadshow.com. Thank you and see you next time.